I'm going to talk to you today about the Mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. The Liturgical Institute is proud to present the Liturgy Guys. Oh, hello. This is definitely the first time we're doing this introduction. Take Um, one. And something, something, something. Chris, you have to. Chris has to check his privilege. Uh, Yeah, some joke that we made last time we recorded this. And guess what? 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 I've been going. Not every Sunday, but pretty much every other Sunday to the Extraordinary Form Mass here in Florence, Italy, at San Michele Gaetano, run by the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest, who also have a presence in La Crosse, Wisconsin, as I understand. And they have beautiful chant. I mean, it's so exquisite. Um, But you're not allowed to distribute communion on the tongue here because of COVID. But in the Extraordinary Form, you're not allowed to receive in the hand. Now they're only mm-hmm. con- distributing under one kind, right? The, uh, the the host, not the the blessed, precious blood. So how do you solve that problem? Do 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 do. That uh, that uh, is a good uh, one. I don't have uh, any uh, idea. Salad tongs. You could do that. Gold Definitely not that. Salad tongs, but even then, you can't put it on the tongue because then it would go from one tongue to the next, right? So you, mm-hmm. you a liturgical Eucharist slide that it slides down and then uh, drops on the tongue. Nope, not that. Oh, boy, no idea. Well, it's Florence, so they have this gorgeous big church, but it's Florence, so only about thirty-five people come to mass on Sunday, and they have. A little procession, you know, at the at the altar rail, kneeling, and there's a server who has a basket full of Chris. Hmm. I don't know. Corporals. Where's this going? Basket full of corporals, mm. and every mm. single person puts their hands out flat, and they lay a corporal on your hands, and they put the host on it. You bring the corporal up to your mouth and use your tongue. Then they fold it up and they put it in another basket. And the next person gets a new corporal, and the next person gets a new corporal, and the next person gets a new corporal. They couldn't do this obviously with you know eight hundred people, but because there's a small group, so I just feel bad for whoever's doing the laundry. At you know. Um, that's so a corporal work of mercy. And honestly, it really is. And so at the end of it, they have like 50 corporals to wash and iron. But boy, is it a good solution. Mm-hmm. It's very respectful. Is it? Yeah. Is it a good solution? Well, compared to not receiving the host at all, right? Yeah. I guess it's unnecessary. Chris is not happy with that know. solution. I don't know. I wanted you to not say that. I would have come up with. Yeah. I get the yeah, logic. I don't know. Well, yeah. a corporal, you're allowed, the host can sit on a corporal, right? So there it is. Yeah. Anyhow, so, but that's, yeah. How about corporal? Where does that word come from, Chris? Just guessing. <laughs> uh, corporal? Uh, uh, Heart? Cor- cor- corpus. Corpus, like corporal work of mercy, right? Is a work of the body, mm-hmm. right? So we, the corporal is, uh, I guess the host actually used to, did the host sit on the corporal at one point? I wonder why. It did. Yeah. So it was a, a Yeah, no, piece. I think at it, 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 some points, isn't the host is on the corporal and the patent is beneath the 
corporal and yeah. some different things. I so it's the body, the linen that touches the body of Christ. So mm-hmm. that is my slick and transitional way to talk about what are we doing today, Jesse? Etymology. And you know, Dennis, no, nobody has uh, made a theme song for us yet. Well, I don't think the prizes you offered are high enough in their value. Yeah, you had said earlier that I offered my very self, uh, <laughs> which is not true. I think I offered a Valentine's Day date with Chris, which nobody took anybody up on. All right, well, anyway, yeah. and this is your chance to go, and now. Okay, Jesse, ready? Go. And now, uh, uh, and, and now another Liturgy Guys episode on etymology, etymology, etymology. All right, can I leave and you guys just make no, this? No, no, we're having talk. fun. Okay, <laughs> etymology, you know, is a uh, the origin of words. Remember the Latin version of that variloquium, the true speaking. So it's not just a mere scientific study of where words come from, but the true meaning of them. It's also great fun, at least for us, hopefully. Somebody else likes it. Send us an email. It sounds like it's, it's, it sounds like it's fun for two of us. Yeah, and Chris, well, Chris tolerates us most of the time. Uh, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> All right, so do you have a word for us, All Chris? Right. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got a, I got a couple, two or three, as we say. Okay, well, why don't you start? Uh, yeah, okay, I'll start. Uh, the word, the first etymology today is benediction. Ah, the word is benediction. Benediction. <laughs> the so password what, is. <laughs> what is benediction? Benedictio. Saying good things. Yeah, maybe, we, maybe we've done this before. Maybe it's just Well, obvious. we did, we did, um, uh, Malediction. We did, did we do? No, we oh, did. did we? Um, was good yep. good word is benediction good words or good speaking? Uh, to I don't know. <laughs> I thought we did something. We started. Yeah, I thought we did one on like good. I thought blessings. Well, that's the, the word for blessing in uh, Latin is benediction. Okay, benedictio, or uh, in in Greek, do you know what it is? Eulogia. Yeah, eulogia. eulogia. Good words. Yeah. yeah. And or, so, uh, uh, bene is uh, bien or bueno or what? How do they say it in uh, Florence? Buono or they bene. Say well? bene. Oh, okay. Bene. Yeah. All right. So, uh, and diction, dictionary, of, uh, dictate, uh, to to speak. So to speak well. And uh, yeah, you're right. In the the, this, I just lifted this out of the. It's in a footnote in the in the catechism about, maybe that's where it came up, is uh, the Father's work in the economy of salvation is likened to a uh, one blessing, benediction. Mm-hmm. And so literally, and the, the, we'll, we bring this up in the LI class on uh, theology of blessings, which is very difficult, and uh, practice of blessings, very difficult, that the uh, literal, I think I'm using this term rightly, the literal blessing is the is the second person of the Trinity the the, the eulogos the benedictus he's uh, he's the best word and so when the Father how does he how does he how does he create but he says he speaks uh, dixit que uh, fiat lux yeah he speaks this good word and through this good word through this blessing all things uh, are in fact blessings and they're 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 um, what would you call them 
they're called micrologoi. They're, they're little words Ooh. that, Sounds uh, like a that speak and reflect uh, <laughs> back to the, to the good word. And not the a very that, like, one you want to have either. Okay. <laughs> no, you, do, you do want to be a micrologoi. Uh, so, yeah, what's kind of the, the reality or what, what do you say in sacramental theology, the res, mm. the res sacramenti, the, the res tantum, the, the substance, the reality, the truth that is behind, beneath, within uh, a blessing is the good word, is Jesus. So what a blessing is, is they're kind of audible sacraments of God's good word, who is Christ. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah? You know, yeah? So this is interesting, Chris, because I know you're mm -hmm. smart and I'm not. But we tend to think of blessings as an action, right? A thing, that, an action that happens to you and then magically you're different, right? Like we don't know, which is some words are said and something happens. But what you're saying is the true blessing is the word, the second person of the Trinity. And when the second person of the Trinity is applied to you through the medium of what we call a blessing, you are Christified or logified. Am I, am I hearing you right? You are made more yeah. like Christ because God has spoken Christ into mm -hmm. you and changed you. Is that yeah, all correct? Uh, Ratzinger uses this word, uh, you get logicized. So your, your being is logicized. You sound like the logos. But you're right. The, uh, um, the thing is with... Uh, with sacraments and sacramentals, right? They're words, but also actions. You mentioned actions before. And I think what, what many people find, uh, uh, I don't know, uninspiring about uh, the current book of blessings is they're very wordy. There's a lot of logos going on. There's a lot of diction going on. Mm -hmm. But the action part of the blessing that's accompanying it is uh, not Pretty so small. much. A little, yeah. little thin, a little anemic. And I think- Micro logo. You know, if, yeah. Uh, contrary wise, I think what uh, I think what many of the, the blessings are in the extraordinary form are are maybe the apparently the language is is, is um, it's not it's not consistent across board. It's not uh, scripturally uh, inspired in often cases, but the, the actions are very pronounced uh, and very beautiful. So it's maybe a little low on the logoi and very high on the morphe uh, on the actions. And so once again, uh, it's another example of trying to find that balance of, uh, you know, the right coming together of words and actions. Will we ever Chris, find we talked it? About, Chris? We, mm. Chris, we talked about this um, in the book of household blessings and, and I kind of was lamenting how I wanted it to be I wanted to have more liturgical instructions and things like that. And you were like, well, <laughs> kind of moving away from some of that stuff. Mm. Yeah, well, I do think in the, uh, well, you know, after the Book of Blessings came, I know this is not a podcast on the Book of Blessings, but after it came out in uh, 1989, I think, the, the Vatican had to go back and, and tell priests that when you say the word bless, you actually have to make the sign of the cross over the thing. Because it was almost like all the signs of the cross, all the incensing, all of the sprinkling with holy water, all those things that we associate with getting a blessing had been eliminated at, because of this, uh, you know, uh, blessings are, they're benedictions, they're 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 these audible sacraments of the great blessing who is Christ. So it's not wrong to... Uh, to emphasize the, the word character to it, but when you don't have the the action part of it, then your kind of the sacrament breaks down a little bit. Anyway, so there's my first one. But oh, maybe one other little factoid about benediction. So when you go to benediction, what uh, what happens is that on the one hand, 
you get blessed from God through Christ in the Eucharist to you. So it's kind of this downward, good word spoken from God through the Logos to you. But after the blessing, although this is not officially in the right, unfortunately, I think, what do you do? You divine sing, praises. Yeah. Blessed be God. Blessed be his holy name. So the blessing not only descends from God through Christ, the good word to you, but then you reciprocate that good word from you through Christ back to the Father. And this is what brings about this communion and this, uh, I don't know, communication, probably. Well, when you go to adoration and benediction and the priest takes up the uh, humeral veil and picks up the monstrance and makes the sign of the cross, mm -hmm. so, you know, is that the, mm -hmm. is that the benediction? Yes. So in that case, it's not a word, but an action, right? It's it not is. may it's God a, bless it's you. It's action, it is, but you're being blessed with the Logos. Yeah. In the beginning was the Logos. So, yeah, the Logos that had become incarnatus is now speaking blessing through incarnate not a word. material. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. yeah. You got that, Jesse? Jesse's yeah, absolutely the people at home can't see Jesse, but he's like proofreading a book or something. We can't, he's not really. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I no, will get milk a... on the way home. I'm podcasting now. <laughs> Love you. I told you don't bother me while I'm talking to my friends. Mom. All right. Uh, Dennis, we have another uh, etymology. Yeah, we better have a few. Here's one, especially since I'm here in Italy. Monsignore, Monsignore. Or Monsignor, mm -hmm. as you might. Oh, Monsignor. Uh, okay. Yeah, in, in Italian, it's Monsignore. In French, it's Monsignor. So it sounds um, like a delicious cheese. Mm, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, <laughs> we have some Monsignore, whatever Parmigiano, Monsignore. What do you think? It, it's very easy on mm. straightforward. Mon Signore, or Mon a senior man. Well, it's not man. Oh, it's not man, but it is senior. Mm. You got you're on the right track there. Do you know what mon means? My. Friend? My, is yes. My? Yes. Uh, so huh. literally it means my Lord. I mean, figuratively it means my Lord. I don't know if you remember, Chris, but Monsignor Mannion, who founded the Liturgical Institute, used to make a joke all the time. He would say sometimes people <laughs> didn't want to call him Monsignor because it seemed to, you know, like he was elevated. And he said, well, if you don't, if you don't like that, you can just say it in English. <laughs> just my Lord. So you could call him my Lord Mannion <laughs> instead of Monsignor Mannion. <laughs> wow. But, so we translate it as my Lord, but literally it means my senior. It's from Latin seniorum, which means my elder. And we get other words like this, you know, from senile is, you know, for old people. But you know what else is, comes from this S-E-N word is senate. Like the senate of, you know, governing body, because it was a council of elders. And so to say Monsignore is not just merely an official kind of honor, although it is. It's to say this person is an elder. They're usually associated with, with wisdom. And um, it was also the name for a male parent. Can you think of a word that comes from this? Maybe, Chris, you always hire the dude to get your pigs to have baby pigs and the, and the horses and whatnot. If they're producing a, a, another animal, what do you call that? Sire? Sire, yes, sire. Hmm. So um, 
to beget, to sire, so it's father, important male. When I looked this up in the uh, etymological dictionary, it said used chiefly of beasts, especially of stallions, which made me think of you, Jesse, right away. But uh, <laughs> wait, wait, beast or stallion? <laughs> There's a big difference. <laughs> So Monsignore, Monsignore, Monsignor is my lord, but it's really my father, my wise elder. And so uh, you become a lord, so to speak, when you're wise and holy and serving the church well. And so don't think of it just as a hierarchical rank of favoritism, but think of it as a wise elder who is being acknowledged for such. How's that? Good. All right. I got a set of Chris. Go ahead, here's, Chris. One, here's one for you, Dennis, which I think you're like. I picked this up from, uh, uh, it was like an announcement of a book by David Fagerberg. And so mm-hmm. he likes his etymologies too. So he has this book coming out from Ignatius Press called Liturgical Dogmatics. It's very mm. good. And he talks about the liturgy being indescribable. Ineffable. Indescribable. Oh, so what yeah. is the etymology of indescribable and what does it have to do with the liturgy? Well, I know that whenever you use the word scribe, mm-hmm. you're not just talking about one who writes, but you're talking about a line, right? So in the study of icons, they talk about Christ took a shape on earth, which is why we can make a picture of him. They, they call it circumscribed. He drew a line around himself. And so if he's not describable, it means he cannot be made with a line around him, is that right? Some and therefore not, he, not, not knowable? Well, what he, what uh, Dr. Fagerberg, uh, how he uses the word, I think it's that scrib, it, he does, he uses it less as the line, like you were talking about, but as writing, so that our faith and our coming into contact with the triune God is indescribable. It can't be written about. It can't be written about. So in is not day is what from or opposite of scribe able to be written so it's not able to be written what his point will be is that when you come into contact with god it's not through the uh the commerce of of texts and uh of kind of mm-hmm. scientific uh writings and uh, prose and things like that rather it's through the this artistic medium of sacraments which is uh, certainly language but also all those things that go into make uh, sacraments signs and symbols and actions and gestures and people and times and places and all these things and that is how you speak about and hear and communicate with god because otherwise it's indescribable, but the liturgy isn't about descriptions. It's about sacramentality and signs and symbols. Even when you're proclaiming the gospel. Yeah, well, even, uh, you know, the, the nature of the, and certainly the, the texts in the, in the scriptures are of different genres and things like that. But even, um, even the gospel passages are, are not, you know, not the type of descriptions and writings that you would account you would uh, discover in a theological textbook or a liturgy textbook or something yeah. like that they're, they're parables and uh, the rest so. and they're proclaimed right they're, they don't just hand out here read this book right it's let me proclaim the gospel to you with words yeah yeah and even the um, some liturgists are pretty hardcore about this is they don't want people to read along. They want them mm-hmm. to be heard and things like that. You have to stand, yeah. use incense, use candles. And it's read by a person especially uh, designated who's wearing a dalmatic and things like that with, out of a special book from a special place. So it's this great. And even um, 
Did we ever do a podcast on the homiletic directory? I think we've talked about it. Maybe. But they they call that uh, Ars uh, Predicandi. It's, this, it's oh. this art of preaching. It's not just catechism mm-hmm. class and things We have like not that. done that. I do not think we have done that. No, no, maybe no. we should. Put it on the list. Put it yeah. on the list. I think we have about 1,006 emails begging us to talk about the homiletic directory. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, no, right, I so. just replied to the last one, so it's 1,005. <laughs> okay, good. You put it in the inbox. Right, the, you liturgy, the liturgy is indescribable. Okay. You know what that reminds me of? There's a prayer called the Kontakion of the Triumph of Orthodoxy in the Orthodox Church. A Kontakion is a kind of hymn-like thing in, the, in their liturgy. And um, the, it starts out, No one could describe the word of the Father. But when he took flesh from you, O Theotokos, he consented to be described. In other words, he mm. allowed himself to have a line drawn around him, and therefore mm. now we can do it too, so we can make icons um, and make the ineffable and noble father who made himself noble uh, act in imitation of him. So who knew? Mm. So your word was described, oh, Chris. I never would have yeah. thought of that as a liturgical word, but I like it. Yeah, well, I hadn't either. Anyway. All right, do we have time Back for another you. one, Jesse? Um, I think so. Yeah. Dun, da, 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 da. What am I singing? Dun, da, da, da. You know your Broadway shows, Jesse. Uh, tradition. Da, 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 da. Yeah, fiddle, fiddler on the Roof. Tradition. tradition. Yep. Okay. Now, I know we have used this uh, word before. Tradicio. Chris, I know you know a little bit. Maybe you do too, Jesse. But I will, I will start with you, and then we'll have dazzling and sparkling repartee after you stay, after you start. So what, what is tradition? We just think it's doing the same darn thing the way we've always done it. But there must be more than that. You guys Tell can me hear more. Jesse. Well, whoever. Whoever's smarter. So Chris, then. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm, tradition. The Latin I'm, infinitive is tradere, so that's just straightforward. Um, dare, it, dare, dare is like yeah. to, to give, to give. Yes, and the tra is a shortening of trans, T-R-A-N-S. To give over. Yes, literally to give over. And when you look it up, the, the word has two meanings. One is delivering up or handing down, which is very interesting, isn't it? Mm. So when something is a tradition, it's delivered up to you from the past, but it's also sort of handed down to the next generation. And so the idea of tradition is not just a frozen, you know, archaic thing. It's something has been given to you from the past to do so we have the big t tradition in the catholic church and the little t tradition chris right what is mm-hmm. the difference your, your brow has furrowed majestically why are you furrowing mm. big t well, little t no that's not what i was thinking of is uh, oh. i remember I was, I was about to look something up but it, what, what there was this theory of how original sin is passed on do you ever remember hearing mm. of traducianism i haven't but now i'm very mm. excited yeah, now your brow is furrowed too. Jesse is not but excited, I it, but I, I just I just want my brow to furrow. Please say something. That's brow furrowingly exciting. Anyway, yeah, I'll look up traducianism off the air. Okay, yeah, well, it's tradition and little tradition. I don't know. So a little t tradition is we've always done it this way. Father likes it. Our parish does this. Every Saturday we do this. What's the big t tradition? Because this is an essential element of Catholic understanding. It's not just a local custom. 
Maybe the content of uh, faith, I suppose maybe morals, uh, as uh, handed down through sacred scripture and uh, oral tradition. I don't want to use the word tradition. Through, yeah. through, through the magisterium, through teaching. Right. So yeah. we talk about scripture and tradition in the Catholic understanding of things. So a lot of things are written down in scripture, and that's one attribute of the tradition. It's been handed to us in writing. But there's many places in scripture where it says many other things were done that day that we didn't write down here. Or the things that Christ taught for 40 days after the resurrection. It flat out says in scripture, he taught the apostles many other things that we didn't write down here. So there is this other source of knowledge which has been handed down or handed over or given up or however you say it, that is essential to Catholic understanding. And that's the big T tradition. So when people say, where's that in the Bible? And you can say, all right, sure, it's not in the Bible. However, it's been happening in the lived tradition for so long that it's also an authentic uh, source. We also get traitor from that word, trans and uh, dare to give over and uh, treason is the same word. Um, that's remember last time I mentioned there's a, something called a doublet. It's a word that comes from the same root. So trans dare gives us tradition. It also gives us traitor and, mm. uh, and treason. So tradition, important mm. word in our tradition. It is. Are we good. good? We got room for more, Jesse? They're so exciting. Yeah, I think, we, I, think, exciting. I think we got one more for Chris, and I think that's okay. it for this episode. Hmm. I'll, I'll try to make it a good one. I mentioned parable before. Yeah, parable. Bell line, right? To uh, okay. throw across. To throw along. Aside, aside, yeah. To throw aside. Okay, that's not the word I want to talk about, but it's related. Darn paraclete. It. Paraclete. Ooh, to, paraclete. Oh, to, to walk alongside. No. To Para is alongside. Yeah. Soccer shoes. Cleat. Um, Isn't cleat walk? No. Huh. It's, uh, what are some other cleat words? With, uh, uh, epiclesis. Ecclesia. Oh, it's that oh, to, to uh, call down, right? Epiclesis. To call. Is calling. To yeah. call. So an ecclesia is something that out. has been just to call out. An epi. Ecclesia or epiclesis is to call down or to call upon. And a paraclesis, a paraclete, has been called beside. beside. Okay. Hmm. That and so seems this is the, not browfurrowingly interesting. Tell us more. No? Well, what's, what's another word for the paraclete? The Holy Spirit. I will send, I will send you another odd... Oh, advocate. Advocate. Yeah. And it, a talker seems, next talk for you person. Well, to call, what's ad? Uh, oh, toward mm, to. to. To call toward? Mm. I, I don't know. I wasn't planning to go that way in this one. But <laughs> a, para, a paraclete or an advocate seems to me is, some, uh, is that which is called down upon next to beside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like a lawyer paraclete. is your advocate. There, there's a beside you, but they speak for you. To plead for you, right? Pleading. Well, this this, this uh, is yeah. this is definitely browfaring because I was always taught that that Cletus or well, like that came from to walk alongside, and this is uh, blowing my mind right now. Well, it could be. I mean, a lot of these things sound uh, similar, but uh, but you know, when you talked about the the attorney who speaks for you, it, it reminded me of that line about uh, when you're called up before courts and kings mm-hmm. that you don't need to be afraid, you don't need to know what to say because. Doesn't he say yeah. that uh, my spirit will give you the words, the paraclete, yeah, the advocate will advocate. give you the words to speak uh, in my name? Right. right. Anyway. But yeah, that's one I learned just recently is paraclete. Uh, called so then to be called why is the Holy, 
what, so say more theologically about that. Why is the Holy Spirit called aside? Well, so when Jesus has to leave, uh, and what he's going to do is he's going to call down, send down, breathe down uh, another advocate to, I don't know, be beside you and help you to speak and to live and to be uh, alive and animated and the rest, seems to me. Yeah, so why do you call the Holy Spirit the paraclete? Because he is called down to accompany you, lead you. Who who does the calling? Are we calling or is uh, God the Father calling? Uh, Yeah, who's doing the calling in all of this? Uh, That is a good question. Somehow I think the answer is Jesus. Mm -hmm. The the answer to everything is Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we call out for a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a confirmation and other things. Uh, the church does, but Jesus would be the ultimate sender. Is he the one who is the caller to? Is he, does he ask the Father to send the Spirit? So is he the caller yes. of the Father to send the Spirit? So maybe that's it, Jesse. Yeah. Well, I just did a little quick looking up here, and I guess as, um, as it developed, it's not just called beside, but it's one that's called to your aid. And so they're an advocate, an assistant. So when, when someone's beset, called to your side, they're kind of your helper. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit prays through you with groaning too deeps for words. They help you pray. They speak before to God on your behalf and that kind of stuff. So paraclete, called to the side or called to your side. Yeah. I like so it. Remember I was Pentecost. I, I played soccer once and I had paracletes and uh, mm-hmm. I don't play soccer mm-hmm. anymore. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. no, no, Chris, there's this, there's this deafening cricket in the corner of the room. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh. That one was for Katie Thornton. Katie, I'm sorry that these gentlemen don't find me as funny as you do. Uh, but I will try. I will continue to try. I will always try, and I will sometimes fail. Uh, but if I do <laughs> fail, I will. I will call for aid uh, mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit. So, all right, uh, time for a liturgy question, guys. All yes. Right. Yes. All right. Yes. Brow furrowing liturgy question. So why go to the liturgical institute? Well, if you want to serve the church and do liturgical studies from the heart of the church, you won't find any place quite like this. This place is faithful to the magisterium, but it's a dynamic orthodoxy, not dry. And at the same time, it not only makes the faith come alive, it also empowers you to help that be the experience for others as well. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Hahn, and I want to warmly recommend the Liturgical Institute for your consideration. Pray about going and studying and sharing the richness of our living tradition. Mail call! Mail call! Oh, Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? Easy. Okay, let me pull this up. Okay. All right, this question we have from Ashley. Ashley says, hello, Jesse and Dennis and Chris. Hello, Hello, Ashley. Ashley. I love when that works. Uh, Mm -hmm. She says, quick question. Since the one has been removed from the collect, should those who pray the Liturgy of the Hours also remove it from the concluding prayer of each hour? Thanks, Ashley. Good question. Dennis? 
Well, I, I haven't seen the, le- <laughs> the legislation. Any. It seems to me the church's mind is that she likes consistency across her rights. And especially when prayers come from the Missal and are brought into other liturgical books that they usually say, do that. But do they need to have an official pronouncement of permission approval in order to do that? Or should you just do it because that seems to be logical? Yeah. I think I saw in a uh, clarification from the Bishop's Committee on Divine Worship from the USCCB that that is precisely what you should do is to drop the one from other liturgical prayers. In fact, it's uh, similar, Dennis, right, to like the current Liturgy of the Hours says, we ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ or grant, grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. But in the Missal, it's just simply through our Lord Jesus right. Christ, your son. And you can make that same adaptation for the beginning of the collect as well. It's like the also with you became and with your spirit across all the things eventually. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Same principle. So drop the one. And can you remind us why they, why they did the one thing? Somebody asked me and I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, it's, it's not in the Latin text. Second of all, it's not in any other vernacular translation of the prayers. The concern behind it was, is it makes it appear, apparently, to some ears, that Jesus is one God, and the Holy Spirit is one God, and the Father is one God. And apparently they're not. I mean, uh, together they're one God. And so three so singular the, gods. The, yeah. And the one was referring back to Jesus, not the Trinity. And that's uh, problematic. So okay. that's why they wanted to drop. Yeah. It's like the liturgy guys being one Chris, you know, can't be that. It's going to be all of us. The Trinity. Remember, you're the father <laughs> and the Trinity. son and Jesse is the love between us. <laughs> well, uh, actually, I, aren't you glad I, you asked? <laughs> I, I'm sorry about that last part, but I hope the first part answers your question. And if you want to ask us a question, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com or tweet us at liturgyguys. Thank you and God bless. The Liturgy Guys is brought to you by the Liturgical Institute at the University of St. Mary of the Lake at Aremus, Society for the Renewal of the Sacred Liturgy, and the Center for Beauty and Culture at Benedictine College. Now that's a podcast.